The NFL draft is here. And where will Zion Johnson land? We are going to be joined by Mitch Wolf today to talk about Johnson's potential landing spot and a whole bunch more. All of this on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. I'm also the editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com. Check out my work today. On the show, we have Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, I think I'm reaching my critical mass point of taking in draft-related content uh, because now the takes are just getting ridiculous and I just really can't do it anymore. <laughs> okay, so what's the most ridiculous take you've seen? I think this. this I saw a tweet today that was basically saying, like, who like who would go first or who's the better prospect Malik Willis or Justin Fields, which was just the most inane thing. I've one of the most inane things I've seen related to the draft, because I mean, the entire thing on the problem with Malik Willis is that there are some really bad takes out there about him. Like, like Pete Prisco CBS called him a running back, which was uh, for it's stupid. And it's also um, thinly veiled racism, honestly. Uh, and but he's also like definitely a project quarterback like he is far from perfect whereas Fields was like in any other draft that didn't have Trevor Lawrence or like an Andrew Luck type Fields would have been the number one overall pick so or should have been at least so it's just ridiculous to compare the two because Malik Willis is a massive project whereas Fields was a pretty much a finished product (laughs) and then you saw in in one of the best um, laughable laughable draft things you saw was that and I I don't want to like blast the person in general, but that mock draft that we both saw that had, what was it? Uh, Trey McBride in the first round. And- yeah. And had Kyle Hamilton, Jermaine Johnson, Evan Neal, uh, and a, like half of the, the consensus first round prospects falling out of the first round. That guy also posted his like grades. Well, I say grades and it was basically saying, Oh, this guy who's going to go top five is actually a fifth round prospect. And his analysis was a sentence fragment. And that was it. <laughs> so, so Yeah. I can't, I'm really disappointed that people are still giving him a platform. I, I'll, I'll post his, and I hate giving him links, but if you want, it's a good laugh. If you want to read it, I'll put it in the show notes for uh, tomorrow's episode. But we're not here to talk about lousy mock drafts or Malik Willis takes. We're here to talk about Zion Johnson. And the just like everyone else in this draft, there doesn't seem to be a consensus on where he's going to end up. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I think each of us have our own opinion on what team will draft him. And I will let Mitch, do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll go first. So I, 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 you know, it's interesting. I think the consensus definitely isn't there as to where he will end up, but I think he's one of a very small number of players that I think is people are in agreement that he's going to go in the first round. Um, you know, that that's a pretty small number in this class. I've seen people say like, they've only like, I've seen like things from the NFL GM saying like there's only like 15 players in here that they created as first round prospects. And obviously everybody's ranking system differs, but um, you know, there isn't a ton of elite talent in this class. There's a lot of good players that are kind of in that back end of the first early second range. Um, but a lot of people just like Zion because of his um, ability to come in and immediately contribute as a starter. But I think the earliest I could see him going right now is the Los Angeles Chargers at 17, 
And I think that that'd be a good fit because it would allow them to move their current starter at left guard, Matt Filer, to right tackle where he has played before and played decently well. And then they could have Zion Johnson play at left guard. So you solve two needs there at once and they need to get some offensive line help for Justin Herbert to keep him upright. All right. So I am going to go with one that has been really popular online and that is the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Dallas uh, has a need on the offensive line as well. They need to stop getting um, Dak Prescott killed and mm-hmm. Zion Johnson, that kind of mauler that they, they could use up front. Um, I, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of the Cowboys and why they will or won't go with him. He, it just seems to me like a good fit for him. I mean, other picks that I've seen that I thought, well, okay, the Patriots, I don't think, I, I get the feeling the Patriots are probably going to trade out of the first round. So I don't think it's going to be them. Um, the Bucks and the Titans were the other two couple teams, mm-hmm. but to me, the Cowboys kind of flash. Now, do you have any other? Do you have like a second pick? Yeah, and like like we we talked about a few weeks ago, how the prop bet on BetOnline.net was uh, Zion Johnson over under twenty seven and a half. Well, now it's down to twenty four and a half. So if you were like us and got in on that uh, twenty seven and a half line, got the under on that, you're Pretty much, you're looking pretty good right now uh, because that's pretty much all the teams you mentioned. The Cow, the Buccaneers pick at 27, so that's that would cash. Titans at 26, Cowboys like you mentioned 24. I went on Locked On Cardinals and talked about Zion Johnson. I think he'd be a really good fit there as well. They have a pretty desperate need at guard. I think the Packers could be interested. They've obviously been uh, willing to draft BC players before. But I think that they're going to be focused on one, getting a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers and yeah. two with their second pick at 28, uh, getting some kind of defensive help, even though they could use a guard. I think they have a, they have guys they like at that position right now. Um, and with the Patriots, I, even though I think I could see it happening, I, I agree with you that I think they will trade back. And also I think that they are going to try to go for a little more of, if they stay where they are, I think they might try to go for a higher ceiling player than Zion because I think they feel good about getting late round offensive linemen to become contributors. Um, I do like that Cowboys pick. I think he would be an immediate starter at left guard. Uh, and I think he would really kind of elevate their offensive line. Like you said, keep Dak Prescott upright. Um, and yeah, the Titans and Buccaneers are both really good fits as well. They're both, I think he fits really well into both their schemes. Uh, and again, would be immediate starters that would just elevate all of their offensive lines. So what is your what is your um, routine for for a draft weekend? What do you do? Are you just are you just the type that sit there and like tweet through it? Do you go out and watch it at a bar? What is your deal? Mitch? I usually stay home because I like to have like my computer uh, out so I can like track it on my own personal spreadsheet. Um, so I usually watch it at home. Sometimes I'll have some people over, but they're usually kind of much more casual about it than I am. Like I'm locked in. Usually I'll have the TV broadcast on uh, and I'll usually have that muted and I'll have like one websites like live show, like either the draft network or PFF or the athletic or some other live stream because that their commentary is usually a little more interesting and a little more fun. It's not as cringy as uh, ESPN or NFL network, especially if they're really Let leaning. me jump in here for a second. Locked on has their own show. This oh yeah. Year, so make sure you check that out as well on YouTube or on the Odyssey app. So I got to make sure I get that. Yeah, of course, I'll, of course, I'll be watching that. Um, but, you know, the ESPN NFL Network stuff gets a little cringy, especially if they lean into telling players most depressing life stories. And this year, the number of like Las Vegas related puns and kick to commercials is going to be nigh unbearable. So I'm definitely going to have the main TV broadcast muted. 
Is Berman doing it this year? No, he's been out for a while now, uh, which <laughs> he's good for a round. Then it kind of wears on you. Yeah. Um, and of course, Gruden's not doing it anymore. I, I think Mayock might be back with NFL Network, which I always liked him. Um, and then Kuiper will not be there in person due to his vaccination status. And also Kirk Herbstreet's out because of a recent blood clot medical issue. So uh, kind of they're kind of operating on a skeleton crew a little bit, uh, if you can say that about ESPN. Yeah, it, actually, at my house, my wife is like really pumped about the draft. It's like one of the few things in about sports that she like. That's a few things. She loves college football. It's like a big thing for her. Okay. But like the draft is like she's so pumped about it. And it's not the BC players. She like she gets into like the top twenty five teams and like really watching good football. So she's she's really excited to see where jo- Jordan Davis is the one she's watching for. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's he's been a really interesting prospect to follow through this because. You know, early on, people were like, oh, like he's only a nose tackle. Like, how can you draft like a two down run stuff or so high? But the thing that I and I kind of came around to this take and I, I might have I might have developed it on my own, actually. But I, I listening to some other people, I kind of figured it out that he allows you to just run your defense differently because he changes the numbers because of his size and ability to impact the run game. He commands at least two blockers. And that means you can. Your, your linebackers can make more plays by themselves. And with the ability to do that, you can actually have a lighter box and you can have more players in the passing game as like a second level or third level defender. So him being on the field actually makes your passing game, your passing defense stronger, which is kind of, it takes a little, it takes a few steps to get there, but it's kind of how the NFL is moving these days. And so where Mitch, where can people find you on social media this weekend? I'm sure they're going to want to see your draft takes. Yeah, you can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. I'll be tweeting throughout all of this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the Steelers are going to take a quarterback. I'm not thrilled about it, but you'll be able to catch my anger about that, especially if they trade up to do it. Um, and then just tweeting out how I feel about the rest of the picks. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking about the BC players, where they end up. So make sure you follow me on Twitter. And uh, yeah, We'll be back in just a moment. We're going to have, we're going to switch off into recruiting mode where I'm going to interview John Garcia, SI All-American about BC's national imprint in, in terms of recruiting and how Jeff Halfley has changed recruiting for Boston College. You're going to want to check that out in just a moment. Now, Bet Online is your place to go wherever you want to make your bets. As we were just talking about, you can still get in on Zion Johnson at pick 24 and a half. If you think he's going to go before that, you can win some easy money on BetOnline. So find all the latest sports developments, latest league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. Head on over to BetOnline, where the game starts. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black here. With me today, I have John Garcia. We're talking recruiting, and John was with us last week to talk about some uh, specific recruits on this episode. We're going to talk a little bit about the themes that we've seen through BC recruiting and where Jeff Halfley is from a national perspective. John, how's it going? It's going well. You know, spring football is is all but done at the college level, which means high school spring ball is, is popping up here in the South. I already caught my first practice, so I'm a happy man. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And um, I think, you know, we're on to year three of Jeff Halfley now, and we've seen BC's recruiting rankings on most of the national services, including SIL American, kind of to bounce up a little bit each year. What have you seen out of Jeff Halfley in terms of getting BC in a different spot than what Steve Adazio and the previous regimes have done? 
when BC was under Adazio, it always felt kind of regional and a little kind of classic regional, if that makes sense, right? You, you think of the whole guys being dudes thing and mm -hmm. the, the regional states around there, not even in the ACC footprint, but just geographically in the, in the Boston College footprint. So you think of Massachusetts, you think of New England, you think of Ohio up into New Jersey, kind of that way, that Northeast corridor, if you will. And, and that was really where the majority of Eagle players were coming from. And, and that is still largely the case, but we're starting to see things branch out from that traditional smaller uh, prospect pipeline. I think under Jeff Halfley, we're starting to see BC go more outside the region, heavier into Florida, heavier into the traditional South, while still sprinkling in places like Texas and the West Coast, which have been satisfied in the last two recruiting cycles. But with Halfley, I think getting more into that traditional Southern footprint, which is really the extent of ACC territory, we're seeing a little bit more of that being utilized uh, under the current coaching staff. So I, I kind of viewed them sub-regionally under Adazio, find your niche players. Obviously, you have to identify and develop talent more at BC than, you know, certain schools in the conference. And then under Halfley, I still think that's the foundation of the roster, but we're starting to see counters and supplements to that throughout the South and other, you know, strong football foot footprints where they have, you know, a, a lot of talent that can be developed on the other end of the spectrum, not just the try hard who is uh, kind of fits the BC culture, but maybe the kid who's on the other side of the spectrum, who's more raw and naturally gifted that you can now mature and develop from a technical standpoint, which also always kind of comes with that BC connotation. So I, I think it's a little bit more widespread uh, under the current regime. Yeah. You, you mentioned Florida and Texas. The other state that he's been really successful has been uh, Alabama. He's landed a couple kids in the last couple cycles, Ty Clemens and Quintavious Hutchins. Yep. Um, and, and they kind of fit into the mold you're saying like, right. Where they're, they're guys they can develop, um, especially on the def defensive side of the ball that Halfley's really looking at. Um, now, one of the things I think that's really interesting, and I think a lot of folks want to kind of get more info on is how does a school like BC resonate with kids that are, you know, hundreds of miles away and not in their typical footprint? That's a great question. I think first it starts with, you know, kind of the on-field brand and, and kind of what perception says about the school. And at Boston College, you know, it's strong academically. You know about the ACC. You probably know about, I guess, Matt Ryan, uh, you know, depending on, on where you're from as a prospect. But it's one of those schools that as you look more into it, you can kind of find more positive. So dipping into these non-traditional pipeline states is, is an uphill battle. It's, it's not easy. And I don't want to present it as such. Uh, I do think the Halfley staff has more connections out uh, in those areas. Uh, and, and you've seen that, that expansion. I think I did some numbers under Adazio, the last three full cycles he had. So 16, 17, 18, uh, I counted five traditional Southern footprint signees outside of the state of Texas uh, under Halfley. Uh, that number is already at 12. It's already wow. at, at 12 prospects in three cycles, 2021, 20, 2022, uh, outside of that Texas uh, footprint uh, in, the, in the traditional Southern region, as I like to call it. So you're just seeing more of an emphasis there. And I think as more kids 
begin to see that as a possibility. It's just like, oh, well, we can go there too, you know. And, and you've gone into Atlanta, you've gone into Miami, you've gone into Alabama, as you mentioned, uh, into fertile, fertile top five, top six recruiting territories nationally, and you've made little splashes here and there. Now your quarterback headliners from the state of Texas in this 2023 cycle with Jacoby Robinson. So now you can branch out a little bit more. And, and that's one thing Jacoby told us. He said, look, now that I'm going, I'm going to try to get some more Texans up to BC. So it usually it's quite simple. It usually just takes one guy or two uh, to, to go there and have success. And then it can begin to, to breed a, a lot more of the same because it's almost like law, right? If there's precedent, it's much more likely to see, you know, history repeating itself. Yeah. And you, you made a great point there. You, you see at wide receivers, a flowers, where is he from Fort Lauderdale? You have uh, Jaden Williams across the, across the line from him, wide receiver from Texas. So you're starting to see more of these Southern uh, recruits hit that starting lineup and it might begin to even resonate even more with some of these uh, recruits that BC's targeting. Now, John, uh, my last question for you for today, we're going to keep this one brief. Uh, I've been talking a lot about BC also kind of targeting some of the national high school powerhouses. I know some of these schools that you're uh, familiar with, you know, Azar Abdul-Rahim, their defensive backs coach uh, is very big in the DMV area and has opened up a great pipeline for BC at uh, St. Francis Academy uh, in Maryland and St. John's Bosco. They just landed a four-star safety last year, Sione Hala and uh, Lipscomb Academy in Tennessee, the IMG Academy. They've been starting to get more and more guys interested in BC and up for visits, you know, how does a guy like Halfley where BC has never really been involved in these schools before, how does he kind of drive that message home at a big time power school? Like, you know, like IMG Academy, especially. Um, Right. And I think this is where the opposite of perception comes into play. So we talked about for the kids, it's more about perception, awareness, what, you know, what is BC and believe it or not, for some of them, where is BC, despite that being in the name, it's the opposite when you talk about getting into these power programs, because these are, first of all, adults. And second of all, at, at the bigger name schools, these guys have been around for quite a long time. So now the NFL resume of Jeff Halfley and the, the year at Ohio State and his kind of really fast ascent onto Boston College is now something that does not have to be sold because it's already known, right? These you know, St. John Bosco's high school coach, IMG Academy, Lipscomb Academy, the schools you mentioned, those coaches know about that quick ascent uh, under uh, Jeff Halfley uh, with, with Boston College. So I think that creates now almost like a validator, right? Uh, it's, it's, it, he's a young, relatively young guy, you know, early to mid 40s, um, got that NFL track record on the resume uh, because that's what's what's important. You know, kids want to play in the NFL. I, I, I've been on a few of these shows recently and, you know, I talk about when, when I first got in this business in, in 20, gosh, 2010, it was like, I want to go somewhere where I can play. That was really what all, all kids talked about. And then it turned into, well, I want to go somewhere where I can win, you know? So that was like the beginning of maybe Alabama's big run, you know, 2014, 15, where they started going crazy. Now, years later, kids talk about, I want to go to the NFL. It's about though. It's about Sundays. It's about using college football as the vehicle to propel you to to the, the highest levels of, of football, whether it's the NFL or professional football elsewhere nowadays with the other leagues that have been established. So when the coach comes from that environment, it's an instant validator, not only for the, the high school coaches and the decision makers, but for the kids themselves when they do get to that part of 
of BC beyond just the casual perception when they actually look into it and then they see that, then all of a sudden it starts to, to really resonate with recruits. And I think that's part of the reason why under Halfley you've seen more success in that Southern footprint because there's a little bit more buy-in, a little bit more benefit of the doubt relative to Steve Adazio, you know, a more traditional, obviously older uh, coach who's going to do things more in, in the traditional way, recruit your home state, recruit your region, kind of stay in that, in that box a little bit. Halfley, obviously younger, more open-minded, has uh, been all over the country working uh, at different levels, uh, certainly understood, hey, you know, if BC is going to compete at the highest level and get over this kind of 500 stigma, it's going to have to come with a supplement of talent from outside of the region. And I think that's the tangible effort we've seen. So when it's paired on the other side and, and coaches are looking at his track record, it just gives them a little bit more benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's a great point that you brought up about the NFL, because when I've talked to many of the recruits that I've interviewed for BC Bulletin, a lot of them, I asked them, like, what was it about BC that stood out? And they say, Halfley's NFL experience, they talk about the potential to get to the NFL. So all of these messages that you brought up, you hear the recruits regurgitate that to you when you talk to them. Um, So that was a great point. So, John, thank you for joining us today. Where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, it's just my name, John Garcia underscore JR or at SI All American on all social media platforms. Yeah, definitely check out John's work at SI All American. He's got some great recruiting stuff up there and um, you you don't want to miss that. So thank you, John, for joining us today. Always a pleasure, AJ. Locked on Boston College. AJ Black here. Great having John Garcia here. John is such a great um discussion he's great at having discussions about recruiting but in our final segment it's time to get into some news and we'll get into some of the negatives on recruiting as Bubakar Traor who Boston College had committed from Catholic Memorial up until about a month ago before he decommitted has made his decision and has committed to Notre Dame and Al Washington so Al Washington's already starting to steal steal our recruits and that's not a good sign but um, he walked away from BC about a month ago, and he's choosing to no- go to Notre Dame now. Not a big surprise here. I think all along it was expected that he was going to head up to South Bend or to Michigan or, you know, one of those Big Ten schools. So, you know, you got to move on from there. And Boston College landed a couple defensive ends since them with Brian Sims and then Jordan Mayer, who also decommitted. But they'll continue to look around, and I'm sure they'll find someone else that will fit that role. One name that we haven't talked about at all during the NFL draft season has been TJ Ram, a defensive tackle from BC from last year. And it was announced on Tuesday that he's going to enter the CFL um, extension draft, basically supplemental draft, excuse me, which is kind of like guys that are trying to catch on in the CFL. So uh, TJ Ram, I don't think would have had any chance to really catch on in the NFL. Um, good guy, you know, did a nice job with BC when he was there, but uh, he's going to try at the at the CFL level to try to get in. And, he, you know, at that point, you're going in as a supplemental pick. That's a little tough. So hopefully he'll get in. But you know, the great thing about the college, I mean, the football world right now is you've got the USFL, the XFL is coming back soon. So there'll be more opportunities for him to get to hook on to a roster. Uh, but we'll have to keep our ears open to see it if he catches on in the CFL. And finally, some transfer portal news for the basketball team. It's been quiet uh, since um, Matt, uh, Mason Madsen uh, committed, but Ryan Young of Northwestern, a 6'10 forward junior, so he's going to be a senior next year, uh, is going to or has already visited 
uh, Boston College. He averaged last year nine points per game and about three to, uh, five to six rebounds per game. I uh, only played 17 minutes. So, again, that's that's some intriguing numbers right there. 6'10", 242, which is that big body size. Like, you got, like, the real, like, you got Quentin Porter, uh, Post, excuse me, at center as well. But he's more like the thin, tall, lanky guy. You're missing the James Carnick, and this guy sounds like he could fit the Carnick role. You know what I mean? He's not an outside shooter. He's he's a physical, big body. I mean, I've said all along, BC needs another big to go with post, so this is going to be a perfect opportunity. Now, that being said, there's some other big-time programs looking at him, too, including Georgetown, Duke, and Georgia Tech, and he may also be interested in Notre Dame and Miami, according to Rothstein. Now, you, you could say, okay, yeah, those are some big schools, but what can Boston College offer him that the other schools can't? And if it's playing time, that could be a big thing, right? Like, you could go to Duke, but, you know, they just brought in a humongous freshman recruiting class. They're going to bring in some heavy-duty transfers. You know, you know, your minutes may not go up there. If you're looking to play, a school like BC or Georgia Tech might be a better fit for you. So we'll wait to see what he picks, um, but that's a name to watch for. It's Ryan Young and Ada North North. Northwestern. He's originally from New Jersey, too, which is interesting. Uh, an area that I think BC should start to hit more in basketball. All right. On tomorrow's show, we're going to talk all about where Zion Johnson ended up. We're going to talk. We'll have Mitch Wolf back on to analyze his landing spot and look at the weekend ahead where there's going to be even more draft talk with Alec Lindstrom and Trey Berry and all the other guys that could find their home this weekend. Thank you all for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC or at LockedOnBC. My name is AJ Black. Follow my work at BCBulletin.com. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all again soon. Take care.